Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. From KQED. Before my family moved to the Bay Area, I lived in Maryland, where summers are hot. I spent almost every day, all day, at our local pool. And even though I love the Bay Area, it just doesn't feel like summer without those lazy days of sunbathing, vending machine treats, and hours in the water. So I was intrigued when Bay Curious listener David Matea said in the 1970s his family used to drive a half hour south from their home in Foggy Daly City for some fun in the sun at a place called Searsville Lake. David now lives in Roner Park, but he wants to know... Whatever became of Searsville Lake on the peninsula? Today on the show, we're diving into local swimming lore, complete with man-made beaches and Swedish high divers. Plus, did Leland Stanford really flood a town to make this lake? I'm Katrina Schwartz, and this is Bay Curious. Support for Bay Curious comes from Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Committed to brewing things the right way since 1980, because when you're a family-run brewery, there's no other way to do it. Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Still family-owned, operated, and argued over. And be sure to stay tuned through the end of the show so you can play our monthly trivia game for a chance to win some cool prizes. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. Mention the peninsula, and you know we have to call in our resident peninsula maven, Rachel Myro. Hey, Katrina. When I think of the lakes on the peninsula, Rachel, I think of those pretty blue lakes you see west of 280, between, like, San Bruno and Redwood City. As it happens, Katrina, those two reservoirs, the Crystal Springs Reservoirs, were built by the same outfit that built the Searsville Dam back in the late 19th century. So bear with me. You need a little bit of history to know how the place known as Searsville Lake came to be. 
In the years following the gold rush, San Francisco's growing population was thirsty for drinking water, and a private company sprang up called the Spring Valley Water Company, which bought up a lot of farmland on the peninsula south of the city to take advantage of all the creek water pouring off the Santa Cruz Mountains. The company built a handful of dams and reservoirs to collect and direct that water north to San Francisco. Now, Around this time, Katrina, Leland Stanford was building a brand new university campus in the region, and he bought a small reservoir from the Spring Valley Water Company for use on his campus. Leland Stanford, that guy always seemed to be one step ahead of the game. That's how he got to be a railroad baron. And it bears repeating that this guy was so rich, his quote-unquote farm was a whopping 8,200 acres. Some of the land is flat. But much of it is made up of rolling hills and burbling creeks that run from the mountains to the bay. Creeks that I presume feed the little reservoir on the campus you said Leland Stanford bought. A handful of creeks, yes. The thing is, this reservoir proved to be a major disappointment as a drinking water source because one of the creeks that fed into it also carried tons of silt and sediment down from the mountains. The water smelled awful. The water tasted awful. All of the porcelain sinks and bathtubs had yellow or brownish stains that could not be removed. That's Julie Kane, historian for Heritage Services at Stanford. So they figured out relatively quickly this water was really going to only be good for irrigation and fire protection. But if the reservoir couldn't deliver potable water, it was still a pretty sweet place to hang out. There were about 200 families living in the area, roughly, and the lake became an immediate, unofficial recreational spot with people that lived nearby, swimming, boating, picnicking. In 1922, a Stanford couple leased the property so they could teach water sports and run a summer camp. Ernst and Greta Branston, who were both Swedish immigrants. And champion divers. Greta was the first woman ever to win an Olympic gold medal for high diving in 1912. Girl Scouts and Boy Scouts camped on the property. Tons of sand was brought in to create a man-made beach. There was a snack shack. 1,500 people might show up on a Sunday, 2,500 people on a holiday weekend. It was a scene. For not just the local community, but really anybody within the Bay Area. I have photographs of, I think, Memorial Day, and it looks like Coney Island. Coney Island, for those of you unfamiliar with the New York metro area, is a Brooklyn neighborhood that famously morphs into a beachy party spot each summer. The beach party spot here on the Stanford campus was called Camp Searsville. Wait, so where did that name, Searsville, come from? Near the lake, there was a tiny town called Searsville that doesn't exist anymore. But here's why I should take a moment, Katrina, to address a couple of pervasive rumors about Searsville Lake. When I was researching this story, I posted on a number of Facebook history groups, and I got hundreds of responses, many of which mentioned two stories that turned out to be false. Number one, a number of people believe the town of Searsville was flooded by the construction of the reservoir. 
That was a rumor started by Ernst Branston, who loved to scare his diving students by telling them they could hit their heads on an old Searsville rooftop if they weren't careful. Oh my god. And rumor number two? Fast forward to 1968. Some baby boomers on Facebook told me about a legendary concert they remember hearing about but could not have attended because, as Julie Kane explains, the university got wind of it while it was being organized and shut that concert down. They would have had great people, though. Country Joe and the Fish, Joan Baez, everybody and their dog that was Anybody in San Francisco was on that list. Why are there so many rumors about this place, Rachel? Well, think about it, Katrina. Many of the people alive today who remember Searsville would have been children or teenagers when they visited, like our question asker David Matea. Their memories are all a little bit hazy now, but they're not wrong to remember it was a big, fun scene. Trouble was, the university's biology department was growing tired of having to share its 1,200-acre biological preserve with the party animals of the Bay Area. There's absolutely no mystery as to why the park was shut down. So picture grassland, chaparral, oak woodland, mixed evergreen forest, and even freshwater wetlands around the reservoir, technically man-made. Stanford researchers have conducted studies on this land for decades. Checker spot butterflies, climate change, invasive plants. A lot of this didn't mean much to people off campus just coming to visit Searsville Lake. And over the decades, they unwittingly trampled on a lot of science projects which really has continued to this day with local kids who got nothing better to do. So in 1976, the university bought out the camp's lease and closed the swimming spot down. You can still take docent-led tours of what's now called the Jasper Ridge Biological Preserve, but the party is over. So that answers David Matea's question about what became of Searsville Lake. But now that we know the history of the dam and the lake behind it, we should talk about what's been happening in recent decades. There was a lawsuit over the dam, right? Yes. It's something a lot of current Peninsula locals ask about. I talked to an environmentalist named Matt Stecker, who grew up in Portola Valley, one of several Peninsula cities that popped up near Stanford. His parents swam in Searsville Lake. He remembers playing in the creek that feed the reservoir when he was a boy. I discovered that there was a steelhead run that used to run from the bay all the way up to Windy Hill and Portola Valley where I lived. He remembers one brave little steelhead trout in particular. This was actually a steelhead that come from the ocean that may have swam from as far away as, you know, off the coast of Japan all the way back to the stream it was born in. And this useless dam that's not serving a function anymore is preventing it from swimming back to its home. As a grown-up and a fish biologist, Stecker started a group called Beyond Searsville Dam, which was one of several groups that spent decades trying to get Stanford to budge on restoring the local watershed to something like its original glory. It did take a lawsuit by a couple of those groups, but the university has budged. Kind of. It's come up with a plan not to get rid of Searsville Dam altogether, which is what Stecker wants, but to open a hole in the bottom of the dam. 
That would let the steelhead trout returning from the bay go upstream, and it would let the water go downstream. Even so, you can anticipate Stanford has to engage in a lot of meetings in the years to come with the public and various agencies before anything finally happens on the ground. So I got to give the last word to Kane. I'm probably going to put words in somebody's mouth, but I'm sure somebody at Stanford is shaking his or her head going, what the hell did we buy that place for? Searsville Lake sounds like it would have been a blast in its heyday. Thank you, Rachel. Thank you, Katrina. Rachel Myro is senior editor of KQED's Silicon Valley News Desk. Julie Kane is co-writing a book with another local historian, Nancy Lund, all about Searsville Dam. Look for that soon. And you can see awesome photos of Searsville Lake in all its glory on our website, baycurious.org. Bay Curious has been documenting good local swimming spots for a while now. Check out our show notes for some insider tips on where you can swim. Our show is produced by Susie Racho, Katie McMurrin, and me, Katrina Schwartz. Bay Curious is a production of member-supported KQED in San Francisco. The Bay Curious team is off next week for Memorial Day, but I'll see you back here in two weeks. Hi, Bay Curious listeners. Are you ready to play May's trivia game? Every month, we read a question here at the end of our episode. You can give us your answers over at our website, kqed.org slash baycurious, or just click the link in the episode description. Out of the correct answers, we'll randomly choose one lucky winner to receive a cool prize package with Bay Curious swag and Sierra Nevada goodies. Okay, our question for the month is, the world's longest-running pillow-fighting contest was held from 1966 to 2006 in what Bay Area town? Our trivia quiz is made possible by Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Good luck! Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment, and if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks.